0: So my name is Pastor John Mark, I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary, and if you haven't already noticed, there's been a little bit of a different emphasis this morning. We've had some kids sharing up here, we've had a video at the beginning, we're going to actually have some of our kids from the grade one to five classroom join us near the end of the service. Uh, and, and really, we did this a few weeks ago, Pastor Kathleen highlighted what we kind of do here for our church, what we do for adults. And today, I'm not necessarily highlighting what we do for our kids, because I think we have a general idea. We have student ministries, we have kids' ministries. It happens on Sundays, it happens midweek. But what I want to talk to you guys about today is what is our role as a church? Kind of expanding on what Pastor Bill was just talking about. What is our role as adults now that we are not teenagers, now that we are not young adults? Maybe you still consider yourself one, I don't know. But wherever you find yourself, you still have a role to play in the lives of those kids, from the newborn kids to the kids in grade one, the junior highs, who maybe you avoid down the halls. I don't know. We have a role to play, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But I want to show you something really quickly. Before we do it, I want to talk a little bit about Generation Z. Have you guys heard that term before? Raise your hand if you've heard that term before. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you some of these generations, and we're going to talk a little bit. I just want to share what kind of separates them in Generation Z theory, has maybe been disproved a little bit, but there are still things that make them feel different and unrelatable to other generations. So before we even go into this, I just want to use this. This is our thing. If you go to different websites, every website has a different age starting point for generations. I like this one the best because it doesn't make me a Gen Z. No, I'm kidding. I don't fall into that category in any of them. Just so you know, I'm old, I'm old. So here's what I want. If you find yourself in Generation Z... So if you find yourself born from 1997 to 2012 and you're in the room, I want you to stand up for a second so you can see. Just look around the room. They're in the room. They're here. 1997 to 2012. See? We got some in this room. We got some in this room. Perfect. You can grab a seat. Very good. If you are a millennial, so this is just, I wanted to prove to you that not everybody under the age of 30 is a millennial. Okay? Millennials... I actually find themselves all the way up now to 40. So, if you are a 1981 to 96, would you stand up for a second? Wow. Okay, there we go. Another representation. You can grab a quick seat. Very good. Very good. All right. If you're a Generation X, if you were born in 1965 to 1980, would you stand up for a quick second? Or raise your hand. That's fine. That's fine too. I won't make you do anything. Raise your hand. Good job. You can grab a seat. I'm just exposing everyone's ages. You're always wondering, how old is that person over there? Now you know. Now you know. And if you find yourself in the boomer, this is a term that young people like to use for anybody who doesn't understand what they do. Yes. And so I'm really sorry that you find yourself in this age category. But if you were born in 1946, 64, would you just slip your hand up? <laughs> yeah. He can. He's standing. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we have anybody in this next one, 1928 to 45, would you slip your hand up? Wow, there we go. See? And you know, we have our kids, so they're not Generation Z. They're considered, there's this new term, I don't know if they've considered this is the one they're gonna use for sure, but Generation Alpha is what they're calling them. So you thought we were entitled Millennials? No, I'm just kidding. Generation Alpha is what they're calling our youngest generation. What's so cool about Calvary And what's so cool about the church in general is that every single one of those generations is represented here. I Think sometimes we maybe think it's made for me and it needs to fit my needs and needs to do exactly what I want it to do But so does everyone else in every generation is feeling the same way and so how do we How do we what role? Do we all play when it comes to the church? Who is it for? Is it for me and what I need? Is it for Generation Z? Is it for Generation X? Is it for the millennials? I think it's for all of us. And I think sometimes we maybe have to lay down what we need for the greater good of everybody. I just wanna give you a couple couple things about Generation Z that just will help formulate and help us craft this other conversation we're gonna have today. And so Generation Z, so when they were 10 years old, the oldest kid in Generation Z, when they were 10 years old, is when um, the iPhone was made, all right? So almost their entire lives has been intertwined with technology. And so, you know, other generations, there's been a slow build to technology, and our next generation here, they have all they know is technology. It's a part of life. It's intertwined with everything that they do. Their bone, their, most of them are born post 9-11 which means that the world, when it changed, it's a major point in our timeline that we looked at as this changing moment for people. They've just been born after that, so they don't know anything of the world before that, right? Helpful to know as you think about how they plan things. And studies are saying that Gen Z is less optimistic about the future than every previous generation. Every test that they do, they're talking about Generation Z, so 25-year-olds and under are less optimistic but the future than previous generations. There's higher stress levels than previous generations. So the younger you go, they're already being bombarded by stress. And I know some of you are like, they don't know what stress is. And We're going to talk about that in point two. But they're higher stress levels. So this past week at youth, we actually did a, a little poll of our students and asked them some questions. And we asked them, what are the biggest challenges that you face? What are the biggest issues that you find that you are dealing with? Over 50% of our students here, this isn't a study anywhere else, said stress was one of their biggest issues that they face. Stressing out about the choices they make, stressing out about how do they know they're making the right choices. You know, a secret I wish someone told me when I was younger is that everybody doesn't know what they're doing. You know, when you're younger, you're like, they all have it put together, they know what they're doing. Like, when am I going to get to that point? What I've learned is that you never get to that point. Am I true? Is that right? <laughs> or am I just crazy? <laughs> but I, I think that they're struggling with choices. They're struggling with high stress levels, with high expectations that there's this, this, uh, this idea that they, they have all these things accessible to them. They better do something with it. And they're feeling stressed out. And they're also, studies are saying, the most neglected generation more neglected than previous generations even though they're surrounded by people even though they're interacting with people online and in person all the time they're finding themselves and all the studies are showing that they are a neglected generation so how do we care for a generation of humans who are less optimistic more stressed and feel like they are doing life alone that's that's a that's a lot to carry that's a lot to carry. And I think sometimes we look at our kids and our students and we think, oh, they're okay. They can just enjoy what they're doing. But on the, on the inside, deep down, they're facing big, big issues. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Bill preached a, passage, a, a, preached a sermon from a passage in First Thessalonians. That was a, a tough sentence there. And he talked about how to build the church. He shared uh, with the Apostle Paul, shared about the church and how he functioned like a mother, like a brother, and like a father to the people. How he cared for them, how he worked alongside of them, how he mentored them. Bill said that we need to be intentional about making connections with others and doing life together. When each person is connected to others in the body of Christ, we are held together. And I believe that this is a true statement, what he's saying here. We all have a role to play in the family, in the family that we are at church, in in our family, in this family, in the body of Christ, we all have a role to play. And if we're going to lead the way for the next generation, right, this is our role. This is what we just said, I do. We just did that. We just said, we're going to do this. We're going to lead the way for our kids. We're going to show them. We're going to model it. If we're going to do that, here's four things that I think they need from us. Number one is relationships. And some of these, these, this is, like I said at the beginning, a little bit more informational this morning, but I think really helpful for us to just get it in our, in our brains. What do they need from us, this next generation? Well, they need relationship. And I might be like, yeah, of course, they need relationship. That, that makes sense. But, but I think this is so important. We are, de- we are designed for relationship. We talk about this all the time. We're designed for relationship with God and with others. When we are disconnected from those relationships, life is tough. I think we can all see a moment in life where we were disconnected from God, disconnected from people, and it makes life hard to handle. We are designed for relationship. You see, most adults to student relationships in the church consist of maybe, you know, like a small wave in the hallway or a smile or, or, hey, how's school going, you know? There's not much deeper relationship than that often. You see, what students desire more than anything is real authentic relationships where they know you care, where they know you care. And see, they have enough people in their lives pretending to be there for them. They have enough people in their life that are adults who pretend to care. You know, I once had a student say, every adult in my life is paid to be there. You know, they, they came from a single parent home and they said, outside of my mom, I don't have a relationship with my dad, my teachers, every other adult I interact with is paid to be there and my heart broke for that person because they already are coming into every relationship thinking this person is getting something out of this. They're not here, they're not sacrificing anything, they don't actually care about me. What they need are adults who care, who are present, who show up, who have a real relationship with them. I've shared this before, but uh, the Barna Institute, they they shared this study that they did of, of students who after high school stuck with their faith, who made it through, who were resilient, who, who were able to keep it going. The two things they had in common were, number one, they had two mentors outside of their parents, two people outside of their parents who cared about them, who had a real relationship with them. And number two, they served in the church during their teen years. They found where they fit within the body of Christ. And, and this is so important, but how many people, you know, if you think about your life, how many people outside of your parents poured into you, mentored you? cared for you, knew your birthday, very little simple thing like that, knew when your birthday was, celebrated with you, knew when to pray for you. I'd imagine most of you have somebody you can think of outside of your parents who played a pivotal role, and our students are not getting that to the same extent as maybe they once were. See, when you're in a relationship, you spend time together. You know the good and the bad. You laugh, you cry together, you pray together, and it costs us something. And I think sometimes we are all, as adults, are so overwhelmed with everything that we're facing that we can't even imagine giving more and paying that cost and being a part of kids' lives because we know that's going to cost us so much and we don't have enough to give. And I don't, know, I don't know necessarily how to fix that problem, but I know personally that can be something for me. Is I don't know if I can handle another tough conversation. I don't know if I can handle uh, walking down this road and getting more negative information, not knowing how to deal with it, not having the right answers. I think there's this burden that we all need to carry to share the load. See, as Christians, we are called to go and make disciples, right? The Great Commission, we know this. In Matthew, Jesus, when he leaves earth, he says, go and make disciples. That's what you need to do. But discipleship is not just telling people what to do. It's not just about us standing up here and telling you what to do. Now you go uh, go ahead and do it. What discipleship is is showing people what to do. It's actually showing them. It's actually modeling a way. Discipleship is an invitation to a relationship with a promise of a better way of life. See, Jesus invited the disciples into a relationship. He showed them a better way. And He does for you and for me. But it's hard to show the next generation a better way when we don't have a real relationship with them, when we don't spend time with them, when we don't, show, we don't have an opportunity to show them. You know, I have so many examples of our youth leaders, because that's the world that I live in on a daily basis, of them doing this so incredibly well. You see, a win for us in youth ministry is when our students are not coming to Pastor Natalie or, or myself, but when they're going to our youth leaders, when they're calling on them for, for help, for guidance, for, for prayer, for wisdom. And that's just an incredible moment when we have all these adult leaders who are there who are caring for our kids. And we have adults in every age, or we have adult leaders in our youth ministry from every generation uh, block. which is such an incredible thing, Um, but we always need more. We'll talk about that after too. But I have so many different examples, but this one example that's not just a youth leader role that I think isn't helpful for you to know, is somebody, this is a story that I heard this week, and so it wasn't someone who gives us time on a Wednesday, but it was actually someone who just is in this building on a Sunday morning, who just went the extra mile where they saw a student, and they had an opportunity, so they started talking to the student this parent was sharing, and they started having a conversation, and they started sharing with each other, and all of a sudden, they're, they're, praying for this student, they're speaking life into the student, they're they're opening up to them, they're sharing their, their struggles with them. And it was just this incredible moment where now a relationship is being formed. Not because they're giving up their time, but because they were just aware of what was happening around them. And I think for all of us, it doesn't necessarily need to be this lifelong commitment where you're now giving up nights of your week. Maybe that is for some of you, but maybe it's not. But my challenge for you would be what students do you see in the room even right now? On a Sunday morning when you're walking down the halls, do you know their names? Do you know what school they go to? Do you know when their birthday is? Little things that I would just challenge you to be mindful. Maybe pick one person that you're going to look at. It doesn't have to be a student. Look at someone else in the room and say, maybe they're in the generation below you. Look at them. Every single one of us has a desire to be known and to be loved, not just our people under 25. So there's a role to play all the time that we have. So number one, relationship, real, authentic relationship. Number two, empathy. Everyone say empathy. See, the definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. You see, Gen Z is walking around feeling hopeless, feeling filled with stress and anxiety about their decisions, and in turn feel like they're doing it alone. See, the last thing they need is someone older than them saying, you want to know what real stress is? Try being a parent. Right? The last thing they need is someone to say, you want to know what really, what's really hard? Try doing this. You see, have you ever had that conversation? Could you imagine being a teenager and sharing an issue you had with an adult and them being like, yeah, 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 that's not a real issue. That's a kid issue. Imagine what kind of walls that would put up as a student. You see, what they need is someone to understand and share Their feelings. Their feelings are real. We don't devalue the feelings. We don't let them live in their feelings, right? We don't let them stay there, but we have to hear them from where they're going at. When they tell you, I just broke up with my boyfriend, and it's the end of the world. Well, it is the end of the world for them, and it probably was for some of you when that happened to you, right? But we, we say, oh, it's okay. You're just a teenager. It's all good. It's like, no, that was actually the end of the world. I don't know if you've been there. Maybe none of you ever got broken up with. You're all amazing. But I know, I remember those feelings. That's not a good feeling. And then when people are saying, oh, it means nothing, don't worry about it. You're like, how am I supposed to handle this? How do I deal with this? That's not a helpful response. You see, but what empathy does, it allows them to know we hear them, that we get it, that we've been there too, that there's hope things can get better. And, And that's what it does. People will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've heard this before. This is not a new phrase. People will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. You wanna help somebody, give them empathy. Show them that you hear their, their, their hurt, that you understand it, that you actually care about that before giving them advice on how to fix it. You see, when you care about the small things in students' lives, they end up trusting you with big things. This is a pattern that we've seen over and over and over, but this isn't just that. This is for your kids if you're a parent in this room. This is for your grandkids if you're a grandparent in this room. This is for, for any relationship you have. When you care about people's small things, it gives them permission to now come to you with their big things. And it opens up opportunities for you to disciple and to mentor and to walk them through life. And to, Now gives you an opportunity to share how you were able to navigate that once upon a time. You know, what we tend to do as adults is put kids' feelings down when ultimately that just creates a bigger wall between them and us. Limiting the influence we could potentially care if we took the time to exercise empathy. So this week we did this little poll with our students that were at youth, and we asked them the question, "What is something you feel adults in your life don't understand?" You know, I, I had no idea what the questions or the responses were going to be, but we asked them that question, and I think it's going to be up there on the screen for you. But this is what they said to this question: They said, "When I get hurt, but I'm told to shake it off, but like it really hurts." this is just one of those things that kind of fits into this category. You know, one of the other students said, they don't, adults don't understand how hard it is to be strong all the time. Right? To always put on that good face, to be that perfect kid, to live out the expectations put in front of me. You know, our students are walking around caring a lot. And my, my advice to you would be to just ask them questions, to get to know them, ask them their name. Start to know who they are, and maybe they'll open up and share some things with you, and you'll be able to to walk alongside them. Number three, availability. This is what the next generation needs from us if we're going to lead them well. See, when it comes to the next generation, the best ability you can have is availability. The best ability you can have is availability. You don't need to be super gifted. There's not a special talent that you need to have in order to be relevant. They don't even care about that. What they're looking for is for you to be present and available in their life. The reality is people gravitate towards where they are valued most, right? This probably is not just a teenager thing. This is for all of us. We gravitate to the places where we feel valued the most. You know, where are you going to spend your time even now as an adult? Are you going to spend it with people who see you better than you see yourself or with people who treat you like you're a thorn in their side? Where are you going to spend your time? You're probably going to spend it with the people who value you the most. You know, our students, why do they always choose sports over church, right? There's this conversation that we've had. You know, maybe they feel valued and needed on a sports field. Where they're not, or instead of, why would, I, why would I choose church when I'm sitting in the back row and no one ever asks me how I'm doing? Right? Where do we feel valued most is probably where we're going to gravitate to. How do we know what we value? How do we know? We make time for it. We know what we value by where we spend our time. We, where we make ourselves available. See, what Gen Z desires is for you and for me to be available. You know, this is something that I think is so incredibly crucial, right? When a student or, or somebody comes to you and says, hey, could you help me? It's like, ooh, can I help you Tuesday at five? It's like, no, that's not helpful. You, you make time for the people who call on you. And this is what our students need from us, from our parents, from our grandparents, from other adults in their lives who can be there and be present. They need us to be available. You know, we asked, we asked our students this question. This was the next one that we asked them on the quiz was, if you could say anything to the adults in your life, what would you say? And there are some really big answers there. There was a lot of, of good, thoughtful answers. But I think this gives a glimpse into what a lot of them were trying to say. Is I just want guidance and help navigating life. Sometimes I don't know what or how to do things. They're looking for us to be available to share wisdom, to share resources, to help them walk through life where we assume they know what to do. They can just go to Google and figure it out. What they're looking for is human relationship that's available to them to actually help them walk through it. And number four here is listen doesn't fit necessarily with the other words, but this one, it works with the overall word I'm trying to spell here, like a good pastor. <clears throat> but listen, what Generation Z needs from us is for us to listen. This author says this. this says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. See, listening is an act of love. Everything Jesus did was personal before it was anything else. He listened to what people said to him and it extracted from it the cry of their hearts. The, their suspect motives and, or the uncertainties. God knew everything, yet he inclines his ear to us. Not for his sake, but for ours. There is something kind and big-hearted in that act. You see, listening make, makes room for people. In a culture that places a high value on acceptance, there is no small thing when we make space first for who people are. And then for what matters most to them. Only then can we know how to offer ourselves and our faith to them. You see, listening is this like the superpower that we can have. And it kind of falls in line with the empathy thing. But I think there's this this moment where we are called to love people. We're called to be known by our love. And the easiest way you can love somebody is just by listening to them. By sitting down with them, asking them questions, allowing them to speak. To understanding them before you try to help them walk through their problem. I think that is an incredibly important skill that we can, we can take on as adults. And for the students, for the next generation, for the generations all around us in this church. You see, if we want to lead the way for the next generation, we have to be adults who are Real. In these four words, this is what it spells out. So when you hear the word real, this is what we are striving to be as adults in the church, leading the next generation. If we want to lead the way well for them, we have to people who build relationships. We have to people who, who walk in empathy, who actually listen, who care about the things that they're going through, who hear their, their issues and now and give them a space to empathize with them. Adults who are available to help to jump in to be present in students' lives and adults who are ready to listen. Not just to give advice, but actually to sit there and listen. I think this is so, so incredibly crucial. and so simple. It's not necessarily these big, crazy things that are new to you. These are just things that you probably desired when you were a student, or when you were growing up as a young parent, or as you're navigating the workplace. These are things that we all desire in life. And imagine if every single one of us in this room had that present. Adults in our lives who were real, who modeled all these things for us. See, I want to bring you quickly to this this story that came to my mind in the Bible in Acts. And there's a story between Paul and Barnabas. If you know Paul and Barnabas, they were on this missionary journey after Jesus left the earth. They're on this missionary journey, and they come back, and they're about to get ready for their next journey. And all of a sudden, we see Paul and Barnabas kind of have this falling out moment. Because somebody who they had brought on their first journey, a guy named John Mark, his, they call him Mark here a little bit, to go back and forth. Uh, he had left them during the first journey. He had disappeared, he walked away, he wasn't willing to pay the cost, so he walked away. And now Paul and Barnabas are fighting over the fact that should we take him with us? Should we bring Mark, John Mark, should we bring him with us on this next journey? And so they have this falling out. They end up splitting up, and Paul takes Silas and goes his way, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and they go their way. And, and what happens is kind of funny. A couple chapters, or a couple books later in the New Testament, we see this moment in Timothy where Paul says, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministering. You see, Mark was overlooked by Paul originally. He had messed up once. There was this moment where he didn't live up to the bar that was set in front of him. And Paul says, no, he's no good. He's useless. Some translations actually use that word useless. And then we see this moment where Barnabas is like, no, there's something in him. There's something in him there. There's something there that's so valuable, and I will not abandon him. He's going to be a part of what we do. And they end up fighting and going their separate ways. But later on, we see this reconciliation take place. You see, I think this is so important and so crucial, and this is something that I think we as adults need to get accustomed to doing. You see, kids and teenagers need to know what you see in them so they can better see what God sees in them. They need to know what you see in them so they can better see what God sees in them. See, they're carrying around this lack of optimism, and they're carrying around stress and anxiety and all these heavy things that they don't even see what God sees in them. So sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside us and say, this is what I see in you. You're you're okay. Let's pick you up. Let's keep on going. I know you did that thing. I know you messed up. I know that happened. But it's okay. Let's keep on going. And I'll show you what it looks like. You see, life change happens in kids' lives when they are seen. Sometimes we need someone to see us so that we can allow ourselves to be seen by God. You see, God is waiting for us, but we get in the way often. In our job church... Our job as adults is to see kids and to help break down the barriers that are in the way between God and them so that they can be seen by the God who sees them. That's our job. What I, I want to do quickly, and Ben, you guys can start playing. We're going to have a, a moment of response. But you saw some of these kids came in here. This is our grade one to five class. You guys can wave at everybody. There you go. Hello, hello. These are our kids in grade one to five And we have other kids in there. We have another 30 kids underneath that that are five years of age and younger. And we have a lot of kids and youth and young adults in this church. There's a lot of people present. And we have a lot of incredible leaders who serve in these areas. And, you know, quickly, I just want to highlight some of our student and kids workers Um, there's a few present in here, but, you know, if you serve at Calvary, could you stand for a second? If you serve in any capacity at Calvary, would you stand? Not just in kids, but in all over the place. You see, there are over 150 people who serve at Calvary. And we need you as adult leaders and as student leaders in all these different areas to see the kids and to see the next generation, to walk alongside them, We're so thankful for each of you. Our church could not exist without you guys.